Everybody, welcome. Uh, welcome to this little session. We're going to do some drawing. So hopefully you've gotten some paper. Uh, if you have a, have a pen, you can use that, or you may uh, get a pen from someone. Uh, the drawing is not till later, so you have a little time to get ready. And I'm going to explain a little bit what sketch notes are and how I came to them, and we'll do some drawing together and end with a challenge that you can try, and then you can meet me afterwards after the conference and show me what you've done. So me, I'm a, I'm a user des user-centered designer. Um, I've actually been a print designer and a web designer in my career, and lately I've stumbled into this user-centered design stuff. It's very fascinating to be able to see users actually operating with the tools that I build, so it's really fun to do. Um, I've also written two books, the Sketchnote Handbook and the Sketchnote Workbook. Uh, the first is more about the idea itself, and the second, the workbook, is showing different ways that you can use sketchnoting in your e everyday life or in your business. And then finally, I was the illustrator for uh, several books, Probably the most well-known is uh, Rework by 30 to 7 Signals and their follow-up Remote, where they talk about remote working, and then also the $100 startup for Chris Gillibo. So the story of sketchnotes. Uh, I was very frustrated at the end of 2006. Um, I took notes like a stenographer. I would take every single detail in a big, giant book, and I even used pencil because I was worried about making mistakes. Uh, the problem was I really hated it. By 2006, I couldn't stand it anymore because I would go to these meetings and I would be worried about missing something, and it became really frustrating. And I had this idea that at some point in the future, after I took these very detailed notes, that I would go back to them and I would mine all this wisdom, and I never did. Um, it became so frustrating that I had to make a change. And my solution was to use a small notebook and a pen because it was the most opposite direction I could go from where I was. Um, with a small book, I literally couldn't put all the notes into the book. And with a pen, it made me much more deliberate about what I put into the book. And the combination of those two things forced me into this place where I was analyzing the things I was hearing in the moment and only capturing the things that were relevant or that could be meaningful in my life, things that I could use immediately that day or maybe the next week, either in work or in my personal life. Um, it ended up leading to uh, sharing that work um, online and building a community, writing books, and, uh, and now eventually being in Amsterdam to speak to you guys. So you might be asking, what are sketch notes? Some of you may have seen these or seen people doing them. Um, I like to describe them as notes plus. So notes plus are sort of like the notes you take now. You're simply adding something to them. So it's not like you're doing anything new. You're simply adding to what you have. So things like uh, lettering along with your writing. Um, doing drawings or little icons. And then again, focusing on the big ideas that you're hearing and analyzing them in the moment instead of waiting until a future time to review that information and weed through large bits of information. It's really compact, and you capture the meaning in the moment. So I wanted to give you some samples of what sketchnotes might look like. So as an example, um, this was at a conference uh, about a month and a half ago in New York City about agile design and agile thinking, and uh, it was a little bit of a discussion about emergent design and how someone might act as an application and see the patterns, and then based on the patterns that they see, then they actually build the application. Um, and on the right, you can see a little symbol that I created to capture this different way of funding model. So build things that people love, get the profit, and then grow. So those kind of images popped in my head as I was listening, and I just drew them down in a really simple way. Didn't, just, didn't uh, need lots of description or detail. It was enough for me to remember that in the future. Now you can use it for other things. The thing we're going to do today is idea generation. So all, all the people that have come before have talked about using sketching. 
is a way to think of different ways to design things, whether it's animation or web uh, layouts or anything you might approach. So this was uh, sort of a mapping exercise where I was thinking about the Oculus Rift and how it had been purchased by Facebook and what could that mean. And so I just sat down with a piece of paper and started mapping out some thinking around that idea. You can also document processes, which is really fascinating. If you know something very well and you want to pass it along to someone else, sometimes text can be very hard to penetrate. And if you include images along with your text, especially if they're hand-drawn images that flow in line, it can really help someone develop the process and follow it in a similar way that you have. My friend uh, Mauro Ticelli down in Italy, he actually uses this to document processes for his cooking. And uh, he, as being an Italian, he knows how to make good pasta. So he actually made this something called the Pasta Handbook. And it's sort of a do and don't um, structure that has visuals along with text about how to make perfect pasta every time. So it can be used in all kinds of different ways to document your processes. You can also do travel experiences. I actually have a book, if you'd like to see it, that I've been uh, capturing my experience here in Amsterdam by writing the things that are happening during the day and also including drawings of the things that are unusual to me or that catch my attention. And the reason that I do this is so that in the future, when I'm at home, I can look back at this book and remember all these experiences in vivid detail. I find that when I do this mixing of drawing and lettering together, it really brings back memories. In this case, I went a few years ago to Washington, D.C. with my kids and my wife, and we wandered around the city. And at the end of the day, I would take, had been taking notes during the day. When the kids would go to bed, I would sit down and I would build these sketchnote travelogues so I could remember but more importantly, that my kids could look at that later and they could remember the things that we did. You can also do food experiences. This I did about a month and a half ago as well when my wife and I went to a Thai restaurant in New York City. After we ate the, the dinner, I took pictures while we got our dishes coming in. We ate the dinner together and had a nice dinner. And afterwards, I just took the pictures on my phone and redrew the experience that we had. And so now when I look at this image, I can remember that moment in time. I remember being in that, little ca in that little restaurant in New York City, sitting with my wife, and this all comes back to me in vivid detail. So really, you know, sketch notes are about a way to capture your thinking. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be conferences. That's where it's been applied probably the most. But the thing that I want to emphasize is that you could use it in lots of different ways. We've heard it talked about before, capturing your design thinking about any kind of problem that you need to, to deal with. I really loved... Val's little sketch of animation, it totally made sense and it fits within this model that to her it makes sense. It's first personal and then she can share it. Um, but it's a way of getting your thinking down so you can see it vis visibly. Because a lot of times the thinking that stays in our head, we can't be critical of it. And we don't know where the, where the dead ends or the dead alleys are. So the big message that I want to present to you is it's about ideas and not art. So lots of people are really worried and they say, I can't draw, I can't do this because I can't draw. But I'm here to say it doesn't matter if you can draw well. It's more about can you capture ideas well with drawing. So one of the things that I tell people who feel that they can't draw well is if you look at things as objects and you break them down into smaller chunks, you can actually build them up and make more complex shapes. Um, you can do something that I, I sort of noticed that by using uh, a couple of different shapes, you can build pretty much anything you like. So if you start with a, a, a square, circle, triangle, line, and dot, when you combine those together, you can build all sorts of things. And so what I'm actually going to do on the iPad here is demonstrate that for you so you can see what it looks like to build with these simple shapes. 
So, of course, uh, everybody's seen this. What's the simplest way to do a house? You start with a square, and you put a triangle on top. Now, if I stopped right there, that would still effectively tell you that's a house. We've seen it on lots of navigation from the 1990s, but and that a lot of that is that memory that we have as part of our culture. But if you wanted to communicate the idea of a house with someone you didn't speak the language with, that would probably be effective. Now, of course, you can add more detail, like you can put smokestacks and smoke coming out, you can put a door on there, you can put a window. So you can always add more detail, but you can always start with these really basic shapes and often get away with very simple shapes to suggest the thing that you're trying to express. What is a book? It can be as simple as a rectangle with a line down the middle. That was one square and one line, and we've got the image of a book, especially when it's combined with the wording below. Now you start to have kind of a rich detail, even in this very simple drawing that I've done. So what is coffee? If I look at coffee from a side view, you could consider that as a rectangle. Maybe there's a smaller rectangle and a little half circle. You could use lines and make a little smoke coming out, like that. So that's actually a pretty terrible drawing of a cup of coffee, but it's effective, right? So it reminds you that the reason that I like using the iPad as well is that I can't draw very detailed or very pretty. And it makes this point really effective because it shows you that even simple, rough, even terrible drawings can still communicate ideas. And that's a really encouraging thing for people that can't draw. Now, I have a little dog. He's a multi-schnauzer mix. His name is Rufus. And the way I draw him is I do a triangle, a line, and a triangle. And then I just do sort of this moppy face because that's the way it mostly looks. And then he has these two little dark eyes that are circles and then a dark nose. And if I draw that and I show that to my kids, they all know that's Rufus because they know that that really represents him. It's a symbol. And then if I, let's say I do a burger, well, that could be a half circle. Maybe you've got some lettuce under there. Maybe your patty is here. You can even color it in a little bit if you like. And then you end it with a square on the bottom. Maybe you make it fancy. You put little dots. So you've got sesame seeds, right? And there's your little uh, toothpick, if you like. So as you can see, those are really simple drawings, but they communicate pretty powerfully. So what's interesting is you start doing this. You start building a visual library. Now, you may remember this in your head, especially if you do these images over and over again. They start just naturally coming to you. However, you can also take a sheet of paper or a book or a card and slowly add these to the card so you've got a reference that's always with you. Bless you. So I'll do a little bit more drawing, and we'll follow the same process, and you can see um, really simple ways that we can draw. So what is a fish? That could be a half, sort of a circle that's squished, and a triangle. Now, if I want to add more detail, I can add another little triangle. I can give him an eye. I can put a little mouth on him. And I've got a little tiny fish. I have a, a quick way to draw birds. That's basically an oval like this and another oval. I put a little uh, beak on him and do like this. So it can be that simple. I don't even draw his feet, and he still kind of looks like a bird. If you uh, actually, if you, you want to, you know, like if he's a duck, you can actually just do a line, and he's in the water. So little stuff like that. I mean, it's it's amazing how much little details can really make a difference. So what's a camera? If we think about it in a traditional sense, you know, again, that can be a rectangle with a circle and maybe a little bump on top. Now, of course, you can amplify this, add another line. Maybe I can fill in this area, and that makes it a little bit more detailed. 
but even the most simple version actually captures that image. Uh, pizza is a triangle. Maybe it's got a little bit of a curved back, a second line, and then your pepperoni. What about a submarine? Sort of a rounded rectangle on the front, maybe a square on the back. He's got his little screw here. And that's a very basic sub. So as you can see, as you start using these simple images, you can build all sorts of things that may come in handy. Now, I've drawn some really basic things that are maybe not related to design, but we can do other things that are related to design as well. Now, this is an interesting thing. When I do notes, um, I think of sketch notes as sort of this slider. On one side, you have imagery, heavy imagery. On the other side, it's very text-heavy. And you can pick the slider wherever it works best for you. And so a lot of times, if you're in a meeting where you have high detail and you have to catch details, you can maybe slide the slider over toward the text side and just use icons as a way to mark the things that require action. So a few things that come in handy for that would be just a circle and two hands. That represents deadlines. So you can write that little icon and put a deadline, a date. It can be a time. You can even put the person who's responsible for it. Of course, the good old star, simply for emphasis. It could also be an asterisk like this. And as you repeat them and use them and use them consistently, it can help you find your way through structure and detailed notes. I actually like putting uh, in handwritten notes, I do uh, tasks. So I use squares like this to indicate my tasks. If I've already begun a task and I come to the meeting, I put a little dot in the middle, and that lets me know that it's in process. Um, if I've got the dot in and I decide it's done, I check it. If I decide I'm going to bail on it, I, I just X through it. And then uh, for those of you who are managers, you can simply uh, draw an arrow out and then write the person's name that you delegate that to. So <laughs> that can come in handy. If there's really good ideas as you're going through notes and you're feeling like, oh, this is a really good idea, you're putting two and two together, you can simply do a light bulb. And then finally, uh, if you see that the deadline, there's a, you're getting scope creep or there's some issue that you're going to have to deal with, you can use a little alert icon. And the, the beauty of these is they're very simple and fast. You can use them with text-heavy notes, and you can come back through and scan your notes at the end of the meeting and pull tasks out and then apply them to whatever tool you're using to manage your task work. Another one that's helpful is drawing type. Um, a simple way that you can emphasize your typography is uh, to do what I call the two-line method. I talked to Mark Bolton before, and he mentioned that he learned this in school, and I, um, I, I see why, because it's very effective. So let's do the word task. All you do is you simply write the letter as you normally would. It can be lowercase. It doesn't have to be uppercase. In this case, we'll do it for the example. And then you simply match on the other side with another line. So you're following your own drawing. If you feel like, in this case, I want more emphasis on the inside, see how I turned that inside and I put the emphasis on the bottom so it didn't get too long. And then you can choose where you want to put your other section. You'll notice that I'm sort of capping the ends at times. And if it gets a little thick like that, I'm not too worried about it. I'll come back through, and I'll cap the ends off like this. And then I can just fill them in. Now, one of the beautiful things about this approach is you could draw it just like that and leave it. And if you didn't have time and you were in a hurry or something, you could come back that evening or the next morning and then go through and fill those in. So it can be sort of an indicator. But it's, it is pretty quick to go in there and just fill them in. And I kind of like, uh, if you see the little white specks in the T of the A, I kind of leave those in. I like how those feel. It makes it a little more human to me. 
So if you're OCD, you can, of course, fill that in in high detail. That's totally up to you. Now, another trick that you can use, it's, it's called the triple line method, and it basically doubles what I've done. So let's just take an A for an ex example. Instead of doing one line on the outside, you just repeat it on the inside. And now you've got a structure, and if you're going to color it in, no one's going to ever see the structure, so they won't realize that you've actually done this structure. Then you can just use that as a guideline to fill in, and you end up with a really, really bold letter form. Now, of course, it takes longer, so you might want to simply do the structure and come back to it later. That's completely up to you. So separators. Separators are very valuable for breaking apart your ideas, especially if they're very different from each other. So the good old uh, single line works great for that. Sometimes you can do things that are, like you can double a line like this if you want to change it up a little bit. The one that I really like a lot is a lot of times the notes I'm taking are ideas that are related but separate from each other. And one of the ways that I, that I provide some structure is I use dashed lines. And I imagine dashed lines as sort of this partially permeable barrier. So if you have two ideas that are related but separate, they sort of can be separate, but yet they can bleed into each other. And that's a note to myself that these are kind of related ideas. And then my friend Eva Lottelan, who works, works at Google in London, she, uh, she does this cloud sort of separator. I'm doing sketch notes today, and I'm actually using this to separate the title of the speaker from the text. Um, and I, like, I just like the feel of it, it's sort of this curvy, soft, and it provides a nice structure. And if you want to get fancy with it, you can uh, cross-hatch a shadow. Or you can use a highlighter marker and make like a gray shadow under there if you want to add more detail. So it's just a really simple way to separate your ideas. All right, we talked about drawing people before. This is another method that my friend Dave Gray came up with. Um, and this is basically the process. Now you can see that he actually starts with the body and the legs first. Uh, Dave suggests that the body and the legs actually say more about the body than the rest of the body does, the arms and the head. So we're going to do this. So if you want to follow along, you may do that. So I'll start with just a rectangle for the body. It's kind of nice because you don't have to be super technical. If you can draw rectangles and lines, you're pretty good. Let's make him running. So you can see, even just by doing that, you can see that it's something is running. You don't have a lot of details. but <laughs> Now, the trick that uh, Dave taught me was feet can be as simple as two little ovals like this. Now, let's put the arms in. And he, the other trick he showed me was, if you do just a line, a long line and a short line, it sort of suggests the thumb is the short line and the long line is sort of the side view of your fingers. It's a really quick way to do that. And then you can uh, add a neck and a head. He likes to do uh, really simple eyes, and he uses a sort of a stick for a nose, almost like a snowman or something. And the reason he uses that is because you can sort of suggest direction with a line on a nose. If it's to the left or to the right, you can show which way that face is looking. Then, of course, a smiley face. Now, if I wanted to make it a businessman who's late for his train to Antwerp, I can put a little uh, tie on him. You can use that two-line method that I was teaching before for typography, and we can pretty easily turn this into a little suit. Notice how I just build the structure and fill it in. And then the same thing with his legs. Now, of course, I need to give him a little more pants line there. 
and then I just fill it in. And this is very rough. It's not a lot of detail. You can do uh, like a line underneath him to suggest that he's flying through the air. And uh, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's Don Draper late for his uh, meeting and his hat is flying off. So you can do something as simple as that. All right, this is another technique my friend Austin Kleon taught me. Um, again, it relates to what Bonnie was talking about, showing faces. This is a different way to look at faces. So what I want to have you guys do is start by drawing nine squares on your, on your paper, almost like a grid. And what we're going to do is we're going to use the same symbols for the eyebrows and the mouths, but we're going to use them in a different order. And you can see how much the face changes based on this combination of things. So once you have your nine squares, we're going to first draw noses and eyes. And all we're going to do is a half triangle like this and then two dots. They don't have to be perfect. Your rectangles don't have to be perfect. All we're doing is very loose sketching. All right. So now once you've got this in place, what we're going to do is we're going to follow a grid pattern. Uh, the ones along the top, the line and the smile and the frown, are going to go down. And on the left side, the line and the smile and the frown are going to go across for the mouth. So the top ones will be the eyebrows, and the left one will be the mouth, just to give you some structure. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to start adding these in. And even adding these lines in, you start getting a sense for a face. They don't even have a mouth yet, but they're st starting to suggest some expression. So those are the eyebrows. Now what I'm going to do is take the ones on the left, and I'm going to bring them across. And once we start doing this, you start seeing the faces emerge. It's really fascinating. And you, to think there's very few lines and dots involved, and yet you're getting quite an, an, an emotional feeling from these faces. So the first guy just looks kind of confused. Maybe he's not sure what he's thinking. This guy looks uh, a little bit unhappy, I think. And he's, uh, I'm not sure what he's thinking. He's, he's unsure himself. So he looks, he looks somewhat happy. Now this, this next guy, he looks kind of like he's going to be causing trouble. And all we did was, all we did was change his eyebrows. One, one little shift. This guy looks like uh, maybe he was in a coffee shop earlier today. Uh, <laughs> he's unhappy. This guy looks like he's really mad. Maybe because he didn't go to the coffee shop today. I don't know. And then just someone sad. So just look across those faces. Look how simple the lines are, and yet we get expressions from each one of those nine. And it just really it emphasizes the idea that really subtle changes and very simple lines can be very effective. You don't have to be an amazing artist to evoke expression or provide some kind of information. All right, guys. So we have a little extra time, I think. I wanted to give you a little extra time to do... Uh, this treehouse sketchnoting exercise. How many of you, when you were kids, wished you had a treehouse or could build a treehouse? Is that sort of a desire? Excellent. So now you have your opportunity to design your perfect treehouse. So now that we actually have a little more time, I'm going to modify this. So we're going to do 10 minutes. And we're going to do two treehouses. Or you can, so here's the way it's going to work. 
Uh, I'm going to time you guys for five minutes. You'll have five minutes to draw. Uh, you can create any kind of treehouse you like. I'll bring, I'll bring the specs out. So any structure, if you want it to be, uh, want it to be uh, Frank Lloyd Wright, you can do that. You can put it any place you want. Um, I want you to do drawings as well as notes and tie them together. It doesn't have to be very detailed notes, but enough to describe a little bit of what you're thinking. And remember that it's all about ideas and not art. So if you're, if you're self-conscious about your drawing, let that aside. We're not being judged on our art quality. It's really about capturing ideas. So let me come back up. So this is your tree. See the little uh, here square? That's sort of the space you're going to be working in. You don't have to draw the tree if you don't like. You can simply draw this crook of the arm so you have a structure to work within. Um, it can be bigger. The tree, of course, can fill the whole page and leave a bigger space for your treehouse. I want to keep it really rough and loose so that you're having fun with this and you're not getting too hung up on it being perfect. And uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you guys five minutes and I'm going to let you draw for five minutes, and then we can um, come back, and then we'll have an option to do something else. So three, two, one, go. Feel free to work together if someone has an idea. Take it from them. All right. Four minutes remain. Three minutes remain. Don't be afraid to try crazy things. If you have a crazy idea, put it on the paper before your rational self can stop you.
two minutes. One minute remains. Thirty seconds. All right, that's your five minutes. Let's pause. Okay, so take a minute and review what you've done. So you have two options. We're going to do another five-minute session where you can do one of two things. You can refine the one you've started. So if you like it and you want to continue and add more detail or whatever you'd like to do. The option is you could say, that was the most terrible treehouse I've ever designed. I want to start over again. You can do that too. So it's your choice. You can either expand on the original idea or start over. And we'll start the next five minutes right now.
Three minutes remain. Two-minute warning. One minute left. Okay, it's time to pause your drawing. So here's what I want to do. I would like to have three, three volunteers to come up and show their treehouse to the group. And we'll need a microphone as well so that they can explain their thinking. So who would like to come and show their work? You got one? Okay, two? Okay, come on down. We have about uh, just under nine minutes. So we have about three minutes each, I think, or a little, little bit less. Okay. So why don't you come over here? I'll, I'll take it over here. So we're going to try this test. I found this out by accident at a at a thing I was it's doing. It's the one on the left. The, this is uh, treehouse two. Okay. So this is so treehouse one. Yeah, it's quite simple. Okay. 
It's a it's a hot tub. It's not really a tree house to live in, but I could live. Oh, you're not. Did I unplug? Oh no, the yeah. Okay, sorry about that. It's one of the risks of using this method. Yeah. <laughs> Does it have to reset back there? I must have pulled it out. You see it? No. I think we lost it. No. I think it lost the signal in the, the back. Experiments failed. Yeah. I'm going to try and reset it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll be more careful this time. Yeah, on the top, you see, uh, it's not really a house to live in, but I could spend a few hours in there. It's a hot tub <laughs> in the tree, and then all I need is uh, a television uh, tuned into my favorite uh, channel, TLC. Yeah. Um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Um, and then if you go down the, the ladder, uh, you don't have to dry yourself, but there are hot air blowers. I got inspired by the toilets here. So uh, you get dry and warm as you get down. And then all I need uh, as an extra is a bucket for my husband, Michael, over there to, to get soda and candy up. Excellent. So, yeah. That would be, yeah. I so would now love this it. is number two? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. but that's not, yeah, it's just a tent. So I'll explain it to us anyway. Oh, yeah, when I was a kid, I dreamt about um, a, s uh, a stairs that would never oh end, yeah. like yeah. Escher stairs. Yep. So I would like a tree with, uh, with Escher stairs. You can keep on walking, and then it's just a, s just a tent and okay. just a slide down. That's considered a, a, a house. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so, but I, yeah, if I could choose, I prefer the hot tub. Excellent, yeah. excellent. Yay. <laughs> Number two, come on up. All right. Talk about this. Um, uh, I wanted to have a tree as a tree house. Oh. Sort of a, do you know a Droste effect? No, but it sounds very meta. Yeah, but you could actually build another tree on the tree, which is the tree house. So you could <laughs> continue. Literally a tree house, yeah, yes. Yeah, exactly. So it sounded like a good idea. So what is this? Is this a pull chain or a climbing chain, a rope? Yeah. Yeah, otherwise you couldn't get in. And you've got a couple of holes in there, yeah? Yeah, just for viewing. And what is the, the boom? It's a tree as a tree house. That's okay. what it says Okay. in Dutch. Oh, that's the Dutch word. Okay, yeah. got you. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I like that. I like that word better than tree. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you have a second one here as well? Yeah, it's on the other side. Okay. Okay. It's a huge, huge castle and a small tree. <laughs> <laughs> I think structurally that may not work. Yeah, that's, uh, I wrote it down somewhere along here. And it has a moat with a crocodile. Excellent. Yeah. I, I love that you sort of went beyond the bounds of reality. That's a very good thing. <laughs> because you. I think that's where the innovation comes from, right? We go outside the bounds of reality. It's the things that, we, that aren't tried and true. That's where the ideas come from. So, excellent work. Yeah, thanks. So I started off uh, with a with a branch, with a tree, with uh, some planks on the side, so you yeah. can uh, climb in. And then I started describing uh, different things I would like to have in my treehouse, and I thought, well, I can sign it, but in in the in the in the house itself. But then it's not very clear what what I want. So I started drawing uh, different uh, metaphors for uh, a fireplace mm -hmm. and uh, a bar, and an Xbox and beer. 
and a comfortable <laughs> uh, corner catch. And um, that's the first experiment. Okay. You have another one? Well, yeah. Then, then I thought, well, the branch, we get, we'll get, we get the idea of a treehouse. So I thought uh, I'll just draw what I want inside of it. And um, well, it's it's pretty much the same, but I yeah, I added a, a lift, a lift right. to the to the treehouse, <laughs> and um, well, it's pretty much the same, but uh, focused on what's inside. Excellent. So that's it. Very good. Yep. I, I love uh, your idea. You let let go of the structure and you focused on the interior, which is yeah. also valid, right? Yeah. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So. I'm open to questions. If you have questions for me, um, I'm more than happy to answer any questions that you have. Um, if you did it and you're in the audience, you can look at this and sort of reflect on, you know, how did it feel to draw your ideas, especially if you don't do it very often? And then what was most challenging for you? And I'm happy after the event if you want to come and show me your treehouse and talk to me a bit. I'm happy to talk with you. So questions? One up here. Yeah, I'll let you guys pick out who it is. Hi. Um, I have a, a, a question. How do you define uh, which symbols or words you uh, make big on your, uh, on your notes? Because I've seen some incredible uh, sketch notes, and I wouldn't know where to start. What, what is yeah. big and what is That's a good small. observation. Uh, I say that sketch notes, in the most, for the most part, are first for me and then for others. So now I can, if I change my mindset knowing that I'll do it for others, that might actually change the way I do the sketch noting, knowing that I have to communicate. If it's just for me, kind of like Val's um, animation stuff, it really was for her. She would never show that to anyone other than at this event. So I, I think it really depends on how it feels to you. So it's got a little bit to do with you identifying how, what's the importance of this thing in relation to the other things. And that's hard to define. And that's hard when it's in the beginning of a talk and you're drawing. Yeah then you don't know if anything bigger comes up or not. I would say the other thing to think about is sketch notes are experimentation. So never feel like you're doing it wrong or improperly, right? You make a mistake in the first talk. I mean, I make mistakes all the time. There's probably some of the ones I did today. You just learn from it and then modify in the next one, especially if it's only for yourself. So, you know, reduce the pressure and think of it as an experiment rather than an assignment. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Hi. Um, I've tried sketchnoting during talks at a few conferences, and uh, I get so absorbed in drawing that I lose track of what's being said. Um, <laughs> any tips on that? Well, I guess um, you really have to focus in on you, the, you have to focus your listening. So you're really focusing on the listening. Um, I suspect that maybe you're uh, a pretty good artist or you like to draw at least yeah well I, I get absorbed in details yeah so uh, you have to you, so my tendency is to write too much so I have to remember to rem remind myself to do drawings of the ideas in my head so I have a tendency as well so you just have to know that your tendency is and sort of snap yourself out of it maybe you can say okay afterwards I'll come back to this and then jump to the next thing so it's really a self-management kind of thing I think uh, maybe there's a buzzer in your pants that you have going off every minute just to wake you, just literally to stop you from getting lost, right? That may actually be a solution. Thanks. We have 40 seconds. Yeah, hi. Um, can you tell us about your treehouse? So, say again? Yeah, can you tell us about your treehouse? I've actually done a couple. So I've done this workshop in a couple of occasions. Um, 
Uh, my favorite one was actually a cantilevered house where I had sort of, uh, I was in New York City and I saw the Brooklyn Bridge in the way that Roebling had used the, the cables and I thought it would be kind of cool if the house was suspended with cables. So that was actually one of my favorite ones. Um, and it's fun to just explore and not have any limitations. I think the reason the treehouse works so well is because you're probably not going to build one. So even if you do some crazy things, um, you don't have to worry. And I did, a, I did, did this session with developers, like .NET developers, and they had the craziest houses. Like there was a guy with a Star Trek house and a pirate ship house and uh, Thomas the Train house. So, I mean, they really enjoyed just sort of being able to expand beyond the expectation. And that's why we do something outside of what we normally do, because it opens you up. And it, realize, it makes you realize that you can do it, which is the most important thing. So, how many more? Okay, one more question. Hi, uh, I kind of have a similar question that was asked before. Um, I'm an illustrator and I tend to focus on how beautiful my sketch notes look. Yeah. Um, do you have any tips on focusing um, on what to draw instead of making it beautiful? Actually, I have a suggestion from my friend Carolyn Sewell. She's also an illustrator. She focuses on typography and the structure she uses um, actually ends up with very dense, bold typography. And her solution is, instead of filling it all in in the moment, she actually draws the outside container edges and just keeps moving and knowing that she'll come back and fill it in. And she watches TV. And while she's watching TV, she's filling in the spaces. So that could be an, uh, an also another way to do it is just to think of it as more of like your pencil lines. Or you could even try using pencil and sketch it out in pencil and then have time later to come in and fill it in. Um, as long as you're staying engaged with the content, that's the most important thing that you're that it's, it's making value for you. That's really the ultimate thing. Um, and maybe value for you is getting lost in the drawing. I don't know. Maybe it's a terrible speaker and drawing is more fun. I don't know. <laughs> so that could be an option too. But yeah, I would, I would try, think of it as building a structure first and then come back later to fill in the details. And think of it as a treat to yourself if you enjoy it, obviously. That might be a fun thing to have a coffee and, and fill in your notes afterwards. So thank you guys. Thank you.